This episode is brought to you by Scribe. Scribe is my premium, high-level training for aspiring authors and accomplished authors. For a number of years, Scribe has been a live event. But recently, we've put the entire training online. So no more airfare expenses or hotel fees. No more face diapers. No more fear of catching a disease that was spawned by some guy who decided to eat a bat. <clears throat> you can watch the training videos and download the notes as well as the cheat sheets all from the comfort of your own home. Plus, you'll receive over $6,000 in bonuses, which includes a private Facebook group where you will receive further coaching and connect with everyone who has gone through the training in the past. Scribe covers everything from how to write a successful book, to how to finish it, to how to get it published, and the hard part, how to promote it so that people beyond your family and best friends will want to buy it. Head over to attendscribe.com attendscribe, all one word, dot com, and you can read all about it, including testimonials from those who have gone through the training. Hello, welcome friends to another episode of the Grit and Grace podcast, the podcast for sharing spiritual concepts in the context of real everyday life, struggles and all. This show's purpose is to glorify God and encourage others. I'm your host, Tanya Bruton. Today, my special guest is Frank Viola. I've read many of his books, but today we're discussing his book, Hang On, Let Go. Frank, thank you so much for coming on. Great to be on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. So just to get into things um, real briefly, I chose this book particularly because it brought me comfort during my own trial, and I feel my listeners would benefit from it as well, no matter the trials they are facing. But Frank, how can God use our trials regardless of why they are happening, self-inflicted or otherwise? A lot of times mine are self-inflicted. And how can trials reveal things in us we wouldn't otherwise see in ourselves? The book actually has come out of many, many different trials that I have gone through, challenges, problems, tribulations, ever since I was a Christian. And there came a point where I wanted to write down exactly, looking back, hindsight, what I discovered in the process of going through all these various trials. So it wasn't just one, it was many. But in answer to your question, basically, you can think of a trial like a hurricane. And <laughs> we uh. just had a hurricane in the state where I live, which is Florida, two days ago. And what happens is when a hurricane hits a town or a city, it basically wipes out what's on the surface and it exposes what's underneath. So all the debris gets to be seen and what was under the debris gets exposed. And so that's what a trial does in our life. It exposes hidden things that we're not aware of, we're not in touch with. We may be slightly in touch with some of it, but when that hurricane comes our way, it just blows out everything that's on the surface and we get to see real clearly what is in our hearts and how we react to um, various troubles in life. And that's where the Lord shines his light on the one hand, but on the other makes himself available to transform us 
So first it's exposure, then it's transformation. And I'll give you an example, very recent example. I have a mastermind for pastors and teachers that I do every year. And one of them was sharing with us uh, just yesterday, in fact, that he had an experience with his church where he was under assault. And there were rumors being spread about him. The word cult was being thrown around. And he was, in effect, being attacked. And he said that he was dealing with bitterness because he had never been through anything like this. Now, here's the thing. He never would have seen that he had a heart that inclined toward bitterness unless he went through this particular trial that he's in right now. And so what the Lord is wanting to do, and myself and others ministered to him, is we said, this trial is not about the people who are throwing the rumors your way. They're not about those who are attacking you and throwing the stones. This is about your own transformation. And God is allowing it to happen to reveal various things in your own heart that you were not aware of and to change them. And it was very enlightening to him because he realized that he was being defensive. He realized that he was uh, blaming other people not really looking at the fact that God was using this hurricane, so to speak, to expose what was underneath the surface elements to show him that, you know, he had defensiveness, he was inclined to become bitter. And so now he's working on that with the Lord to change him in a permanent way. And that's what God does with every trial that bowls around our way and comes into our life. The Lord is after something. And it always gets back to transforming our character. I like that. And Hurricane's a great example. I'm sorry that you guys had to go uh, or in that situation, but that that's definitely um, a great example uh, for what you're describing there. And, you know, you, you mentioned exposure, then transformation. And, I'm, you know, this makes me think exposure, well, and transformation both are painful Uh, or Mm. can be painful and people that are going through tough trials they're hurting and you say it's important that we reach out during our times of trial but then you also say it can be challenging at times because people hurt people are we're more vulnerable to the voice of the devil and vulnerable to listening to self-serving lies and why is this why are we more vulnerable to that and how does it affect our you know, our choices when reaching out to others, which is one of the ways that we do survive the trial. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a known fact in psychology that it is easier to control and influence and manipulate a person who is depressed, hurting, emotionally bleeding, because they're in a vulnerable state. And what ends up happening is The natural default because of our fallen humanity is to look inward. So self-pity becomes a temptation. Blame shifting becomes a temptation where we start to blame the other people who are in our trial. Maybe even condemnation where we look inward and we say, you know, I'm just no good. I brought this on myself. And then there's also the temptation in the blaming of others to be bitter. Right. So the scripture tells us the devil prowls around looking for someone he can devour. And when we are in a hurting state, a sad state, we are more open to suggestions that are self-serving. 
This is why we need the body of Christ. We need other brothers and sisters to speak reason and truth to us, because those are the times where our anchor is not really rooted deep enough to be able to handle the onslaught. And so it's an attack on the mind. In the spiritual life, the mind is the place where both God deals with us and the enemy deals with us. This is why the enemy will use a person's proclivity to mental illness to try to destroy them and others because of the suggestions that he puts in their heads. And when we're in those places, we really need other brothers and sisters to speak truth to us, to speak reality to us, to speak godly sense to us, because we are in a very vulnerable position. That's why, as you say, too, (laughs) we need our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to pick us up and to carry us sometimes through the storm, because this is not something we can do on our own, especially when we are in our own heads. That's the territory for the enemy to just grill us with negative thoughts, anxiety that can be paralyzing and so forth. So I address all of this in the book and I give a lot of practicals, too, as you know. One of the things I realized as I was going through various trials in my life is that most of the books that are written by Christians to try to help you through your storm, they're not very practical. They basically say things like, well, just trust God. It's going to work out. You know, all things work together. Just trust him. Read your Bible. Pray. (laughs) (laughs) And when when you're in the eye of a storm, you need something a little bit more practical. I'll say a lot more practical than pray and read your Bible. Mm. And so that's why in this book, I give very practical action steps and tactics that will help readers to lay hold of the power of God, to lay hold of Jesus Christ during the storm, not only to enable them to survive it, but to thrive through it and to get to the place where when they look back on it, as dark as it was, as heinous as it was, as devastating as it was, they can thank God for it. Right. Amen. I have a problem with that as far as like looking, the looking inward, the self-pity and the condemnation. I, I tend to think that I think sometimes that sure trials can be uh, an honorable thing to go through. I mean, if it's something that you didn't do and it just happened that this is something that you know, God wants me to go through so that I can learn something. But when when I feel like I caused it, I tend to, I think, block out, you know, I don't want to turn to, to him or to someone else to see what can be gleaned from it because I tend to like condemn myself or blame myself. But your book, though, is like you say it doesn't matter if it if, if it was you or, or how it came about. The practical principles that you put forth in your book are, are applicable to anyone that's going through the trial, regardless of how it happens. So I appreciate that. And you bring up, you bring up, so we have to have community with others and discipleship is important and we lean on others, but you bring up intimacy with Jesus, of course, in the book, but um, intimacy can be difficult for people. Um, I think especially for hurt people, because it involves like an unfamiliar level of trust, but you present, I love this question, uh, a piercing question to the reader, which is, quote, what's more important to you, that your crisis ends the way you want or that you become more intimate with Jesus, end quote. And that just really hit me hard. But my question is, 
how do we, that was just a really, uh, yeah, a tough question, but it's true. How do we begin to develop or perfect um, our trust in the Lord so we do go to him in prayer in a trial and so that we can fully trust and know that trials are what you say are a sign of his love? Well, when you're in the thick of it, it can be difficult to trust because we tend to calculate our situation by what we see around us. And when you're seeing the trees being uprooted, right, and you're you're watching the roofs being ripped off the houses all around you, it's easy to walk by sight and not by faith. But as the scripture teaches us, Christian walk is a walk by faith, not by sight. And faith transcends the realm of the five senses. So we don't walk by what we see around us. We walk by God's promises. And that's the rudder of the ship. When we're going through that hell on earth, it is vital that we cling to the promises of God. And scripture, and I have it in my book too, I give so many passages from the Holy Scriptures, God's word, God's written word, that can be trusted about God taking you through your storm, about God standing with you, about the Lord being with you through it and turning it into good. I'll give you an example. It's sort of like this when you're going through a storm, and this is how intimacy and trust works. Let's suppose that you are living in a little village, and that village has no army. It has uh, no walls around it to defend itself. And uh, suddenly, the village leaders get a letter from another city that's 100 miles away saying, we're going to come in two weeks from now with our tanks, with our soldiers, and we're going to take over the city. And if we have to, we'll kill everybody in it, including women and children. Right there, fear is going to be the default and anxiety that can be devastating. But you then tell your brother, your older brother now, (laughs) who lives 30 miles away in another city, and he's the king of that city, and he has an army that's 50 times more powerful than the army that is threatening you and your village. And you write to your brother, of course, I'm putting this in ancient days, okay? (laughs) Um, You write to your brother, you send a telegram to your brother saying, we have been threatened. Two weeks from now, we're going to be destroyed. We don't have an army to defend ourselves. We're raw meat for this aggressive city. And the brother writes back and says, do not worry. I'm going to send in my army and we are going to destroy that other city and you have nothing to worry about. Now, if you believe what your older brother said, you believe his promise and you believe he has the kind of power that he has described, that his army is 50 times more powerful than the aggressive city that has pledged to take you over then you won't worry, you won't have any anxiety, you can sleep well at night, and that's exactly what it is. The same thing happens when Jesus Christ, our elder brother, has given us his word. 
that he is going to be with us in the storm. He's going to turn it for good. He is going to get out of it what he wants and nothing, no weapon formed can destroy you. So you have nothing to worry about. It's the same exact thing. So when that happens, when fear and worry and anxiety are just wrapping their evil claws around us to bring us deeper into this depression and fear, it is standing on God's promises, learning them, reading them out loud, praying them, and saying, my elder brother has promised me, and he does have an army more powerful, and I believe it, and I'm standing here, come hell or Hiawatha. And I will tell you, every time I've done this in my own life, it wasn't easy. You know, storms still hit, but Jesus Christ triumphed. And what that did was I became more intimate with him during that whole process. And when it was over, my faith increased and I was able to trust him more for future situations. So that's how it has worked in my life. And I, of course, I expand all this in the book and I give readers the promises to stand on, et cetera. Amen. And how would you define like faith increasing? Well, it's kind of like, you know, every time my dad said he's going to send money, he sends it. And so the next time he says he's going to send money, guess what? I'm going to expect it. So the more you see God's hand in your life, the more you see the Lord work in your life, your faith gets stronger. Uh, There's a passage in the New Testament that says we move from faith to faith. Yes. And so when you step out and you stand on God's promises and you see that he does honor his promises, he may not do it exactly the way you want or expect, and he rarely does, but he gets you through it. And he gains something through it. If you submit to him and you trust him, he will do it. Now, at the same time, if you basically, you know, shut him out and say, I want to do this myself. I want to handle the load myself. Well, he'll let you. Mm. But it's not going to turn out very well. Mm -mm. You know, he's not he is not a God who forces himself on anybody. He wants to be pursued. He wants to be loved. He wants to be wanted. And that's why there's so much in the Bible that exhorts us to seek him. Why? Why seek him? Why pursue him? Because he wants to be wanted. He wants to be loved. And he also wants to show his glory. He gets glory out of showing his glory, his power. That older brother who has promised to send in his 50 times stronger army against that threatening evil city that you know, promised to destroy his younger brother's village, he gets glory out of that to show his hand. And he also wants us to trust him and believe in him and to rest in him and not to fret or not to worry. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Yes. Because he loves us, he wants us to trust him and And again, this is a battle of the mind, and it's a a battle of what you choose to believe. Do you choose to believe what you see around you, or do you choose to believe what God has promised? And I give an illustration, too, in the book about this whole principle when the hurricane is on its way. And this, you know, I wrote this a few years ago. And at that time, there was a hurricane headed straight to my city in Florida. And the whole state was preparing, especially those who were in uh, central Florida, central and north Florida. And uh, it was on the news constantly. 
even the president at that time said, you all in Florida, Central and North, you have to prepare because this is certain. It's certain. It is going to hit. You know, it's not a question of whether or not. It's a question of when. And um, at the very last minute, at the very last minute, the hurricane totally took a turn. It, we escaped. It was unbelievable. Wow. And everybody was shocked. And that's the way it is with trusting God. You know, you can't go by what you see. Right. You go by what his word says, his promises. Right. And you yield and you surrender. And, you know, like the man said to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's, that's, and that's OK. And it's OK to say that, to be to be honest with the Lord. His promises are real and uh, we can stand on them and we can have a firm footing when everything else around us is blowing away. Amen. That's so good. And that brings me to like what you mentioned or what I think is a crucial point of the book is understanding God's number one goal for his children, for us. Um, The ultimate goal, I think you're saying here, is for us to conform to the image of Christ and to bring us closer to Christ, for Christ to have access to our entire soul. God allows a storm to expose, you mentioned that before, and penetrate those ugly hidden parts of us. But how we get to from uh, exposed to surrender, or you mentioned earlier, we go from exposure to transformation. How do we get from, from that point A to point B there? I think, and I do this in the book, I, I talk about various characters in the Bible. I talk about Job. I talk about Joseph. talk about Abraham. And one of the things they did was they all hung on to God and his promises during the storm. And they then also at the same time let go of the outcome. Mm, Yeah. You know, the name of the book is Hang On, Let Go. And your listeners can get free samples and listen to three different interviews where I talk about the book and go beyond it like this one at hangonletgo.com. But in the book, the recipe is to hang on to the Lord and hang on to what he has promised in his word during your storm and let go of the outcome, surrender the outcome at the same time. He gives us the power and the ability to do this. At the end of the day, what the Lord wants to do is change our character into his image, as it says in Romans chapter eight that his purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. And that's why he allows everything to come into our life, whether good or evil. It's to be part of that process. People don't change easily. You know, when you get into adulthood, you know, if you're somebody who is naturally um, impatient, if you're someone who's naturally uh, given to jealousy, You're someone who's stubborn, you're domineering, you're dominating, you're controlling, you're arrogant, you're selfish, or whatever it is, impulsive. Christians are not immune to that. I mean, we all have areas in our life where we struggle. And it is only through the suffering that the Lord is able to take his chisel, right, and begin to rip out those areas, to begin to chisel out those areas and replace it with Christ. When the storm comes, a tree is either going to bend or break. And on the one hand, the Lord wants us to bend. And as we trust him, he allows us to do that. But he also wants us to break. Break meaning we no longer trust our own natural resources. 
That's good. We, we no longer trust our natural wisdom, our natural powers, you know, our ingenuity. I mean, I have watched God transform people through trials who were so self-confident because their confidence was in themselves, right? They can handle anything. And the Lord broke them, and they're no longer self-confident. They're God-confident, <laughs> okay? Uh-huh. They say, all right, ah, this is beyond me. I can't handle this, but I know who can. Right. And a God-confident person appears to other people to be a self-confident person. Mm. But their confident inwardly is not in themselves. It's in the Lord. And so the bending and the breaking is necessary. And and also, too, you know, what trials do is they expose if our hearts really are for God or for ourselves. All right. So you could take a scorching summer day in Florida or Arizona or Texas over 100 degree heat and humidity off the scale. Not in Arizona, but <laughs> in Florida and Texas. And um, that heat's going to have a different effect depending on the substance that it's throwing its heat waves at. If it's clay, it's going to harden. If it's wax, it's going to soften. And so what the heat does is dependent on the response. Is the response like wax? Lord, uh, I surrender. (laughs) You know, this is too much for me. It's time to get serious with you. It's time for you to take me a, a step further in my walk with you. It's time for you to transform areas of my life that I now see clearly. Or are you going to be like clay? No, you know, God's allowing this to happen. And I don't like it. In fact, this is God's fault. (laughs) (laughs) And the person starts blaming God. And now they're going to become more hardened. And I've watched trials and tribulations, I'm sure you have too, that either cause a person to grow and love Jesus Christ more and be broken in a good way. Or actually give the Lord divorce papers Mm. and say, I'm done with you. I'm going to go back in the world. (laughs) And so those are the two reactions typically. But in my book, I give real practical strategies and um, action steps on how how to go the other direction, how to become wax, how to leverage God's power. In grace in your situation so that he gets glory and you have uh, you have some gain in your own character and transformation and you see him work. And so far, the testimonials I have received from this book have been remarkable. They've been humbling. They've been unbelievable. I mean, people have testified that they were freed from suicide. Uh, if it hadn't been for the book, they probably would have killed themselves in their current trial. Uh, one time, I was, this was last year, I was speaking at a conference at, at a church as the pastor was taking me uh, to the parking lot. I got in his car. He was going to take me to his house. Uh, a woman walked over to the car. I let down the window and she was crying uncontrollably. She had the book in her hand and she was crying uncontrollably. Probably it was like two minutes of crying. She couldn't, she was trying to talk, but she couldn't get words out. And I tried to, you know, comfort her. And then finally she said, this book changed my life and it saved my life. And it was really hard for her to get those words out. And that was overwhelming for me to hear. Yeah. But God has used that book in magnificent ways. And I remember the process of writing it, but I had no idea that 
the Lord was going to going to use it that way. So if anybody's going through, there are three kind of crises: financial, relational. Those are the toughest ones. Health. And if you have a relational crisis, a health crisis, or a financial crisis, this book addresses it and explains very practically how to get through it and how to thrive in it. Amen. And also, I wanted to mention, and it explains too as well, that what to look, what you have to look forward to on the other side of the trial yes. is resurrection. So <laughs> there's so there's there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Jesus is that light. So. Um, yeah, if you guys, uh, the book's available on Amazon. Uh, you can get information, like he said, on hangonletgo.com. And we are coming to a close. Frank, I really, really appreciate you coming on. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Well, it's been my privilege, and I really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with you. You asked great questions. Thanks so much. Hey, guys. This is a postscript just before you head out, and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankvela.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.com. Dot us that's frankviola.us and that will take you to a donate page there's three different options you can use to donate all of them simple thank you very much and god bless